Hello and welcome back to Curiously Polar. My name is Chris Marquardt and we're bringing you once again an episode of um, the very south of this planet. And uh, with me as usual is Henry. Hello. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing good. So uh, what I usually do is when you... Um, when you uh, write some topics in our shared document here uh, that we want to talk about, um, as I go online, I do some research, um, and and uh, this time you put Georgia in there. Georgia. Now, if you put Georgia in in a map, you will find the Georgia between Russia and Turkey. You'll find uh, the state of Georgia in the United States, and then there's this. Tiny island somewhere out. Island in the middle of the Southern Ocean. It, and uh, let me guess, that's the one you want to talk about. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> how tiny is it? How how? What's the size of it? It's not too tiny, to be fair. It's um. Oh gosh. Uh, let me check the size. Size. It's um. It's like fifty miles long. That's what it looks like. It does. Um. Oh god. We we have like a hundred and sixty five kilometers long um, stretch. Oh, that long. Okay. So it's that would be a hundred miles. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah a hundred hundred and four something like that. It's three thousand three and a half thousand um, square kilometers, one thousand three hundred square miles, something like that. Uh, and it's really in the middle of nowhere, according to what I see on the map here. It is and it isn't at the same time. So when you would look at a um, topographic map or a seafloor map, you would see that it is somehow connected to the southern tip of um, of the Americas and the northern tip of the peninsula. And that's pretty pretty okay. interesting for um, just from a geological perspective, which I just want to um, um, yeah, sneak into very briefly. Um Oh, you can you can see this on Google Maps on the satellite map view. Indeed. You can kind of see the topography under the water. Oh, yes, it's it's it seems well connected. Yes, and and that's a pretty amazing thing when you go into onto Google Maps and you have the satellite view and you see that the southern tip of the of um, of America of the Americas is just um, twisted towards the east, same as the yeah, Antarctic. It's pointing, it's pointing toward it exactly, and the same goes for the Antarctic Peninsula. The tip is also pointing towards the east, and then you see the um, the the um, yeah bedrock topography on the seafloor, which forms like a big um, trench. It follows the line of the continental shelf of the peninsula and the um, tip of South America. It um, elongates towards the east and then it forms kind of a U-shape at the eastern tip where the South Sandwich Islands are. And on it, the it almost looks like the seafloor has kind of was was flowing from from the west to the east and it was kind of it, it was I, I would imagine those two were probably connected the south of Argentina and the peninsula at one time and oh they have this been connected flow just pushed yes. it to the side and and uh, the, the south south Georgia is just a piece of that that has been pushed over by that flow South America um, the southern tip of Africa um, Australia New Zealand all of that formed together with um, Antarctica. Gondwana, the supercontinent, and that's not too long ago in a geological perspective. Just about um, 50 million years ago, the opening of the Drake Passage, the the, the sea um, seawater between 
South America and the peninsula opened or started opening, finished about 35 million years ago. And what so you this can, is where you, where you can see the tecton the tectonic activity at work pretty much exactly. And um, when you see the Google Maps picture, you can actually see you described it the the opposite way around because for you it looks like the the area between the peninsula and South America has just flown from west to east. In fact, the continental plate of um, South America, the Atlantic plate, has just moved from east to west. And has ah, released by that the um, the Scotia Sea, the Scotia Plate, which is the the lower elevation part between um, South America and the Antarctic Peninsula. And on the northern part of that rim, of the northern part of the Scotia Plate, you have the highest elevation of that rift, and that is South Georgia. And that's the one. That's the one piece that sticks out of the water. Exactly, and by that South Georgia has. Two different climates is a wrong um, is a wrong way. You have two different um, influences. You have the the southern part, the southwestern part of South Georgia, which is very icy, very rugged. Nobody really um, wants to go there. That's uh, where the um, influence from the Antarctic continent comes from. So you have the circumpolar current, just bringing cold wind, cold weather, cold water. Um, humidity in form of snowfall um, on that part. And then you have the much more um, sub-Antarctic climate um, influenced east uh, northeastern part of uh, South Georgia, where you have deep cut fjords, but they are mainly ice-free, especially during uh, summer, to the Antarctic summer. And that was the reason why South Georgia became very popular in the late 1800s, early 1900s, when this place was the center, the mecca of the sealing and whaling industry in the world. Ah, I see. Because that would that would be my next question. It's, it looks like it's just a rock sticking out from under the sea. What's so interesting about it? Oh, it's interesting for many, many reasons. The um, the most important is that you have an abundance of life there because. When you look again on the on the Google Maps satellite picture, you have pretty much on the same um, uh, latitude the Falkland Islands and South Georgia. There are not much difference in in latitude, but still they have a very different climate. Uh, Falkland Islands are very very green, no glaciers, no snow. South Georgia, pretty much the same latitude, very much glaciated, a lot of glaciers, um, almost no green, really rugged. And that's just because we have this um, natural phenomena, the Antarctic Convergence, where you have the cold water from the Antarctic um, merging or um, building a front towards the the, uh, tropical waters coming from the north. And that Antarctic Convergence is the reason for a huge upwelling of nutrition's uh, a huge abundance of krill, and by that, of course, all the life forms that feed on krill. And South Georgia lies um, south of that convergence, so in Antarctic climate, within the Antarctic uh, climate zone, while the Falkland Islands on the same latitude but north of the convergence are in sub-Antarctic, um, subtropical climates and that's pretty pretty amazing and you can see this on the satellite map where the uh 
South Georgia Island is is white and the Falklands are green. Indeed, yes. Very, very um, well visible. Very clearly, yeah. And uh, what you can also see when you zoom a little bit into um, the, um, the satellite of South Georgia, you can see that South Georgia almost looks a little bit like a half moon. Yes, it does. And has a very distinct... Um, alpine spine so it's a big mountain chain that forms the major part of uh, south georgia and on those mountains you have several smaller ice caps and larger glaciers which are flowing down to the ocean into the valleys uh, creating those beautiful fjords and by that also supplying a lot of nutrition not only the waters around south georgia are full of nutrition uh, nutrients but also the glaciers themselves release um a lot of them and that led to the fact that we have a a huge um population of seals in the area um and same goes for whales and that then exhilarated or established um a whaling and sealing industry. So first the sealing industry and after sealing almost extinct local seal populations, the whaling popped in. What's uh, happening on South Georgia today? Is it mainly tourism? Is it research? Not much. It's um, mainly tourism. It's not that easy to get to. <laughs> Indeed, it's not easy to get there. Actually, it's only um, possible by ship. And um, that's a very interesting thing. You don't have an airstrip there, so you you can't can't go by by plane. Um, the distances are very very far away, very long. So uh, helicopter is no option. So you actually can go there only by ship. And in the past years, the number of visitors by ship have been very stable, between ten and fifteen thousand per year. Given a rather short period of time, which is the Austral summer, that's uh, quite a significant number when you only can travel by ship. But compared to the journeys to the Antarctic Peninsula, which is between 50 and 60,000 people a season, that's uh, yeah, a significantly smaller amount. So would, would travelers... Would travelers uh, who go there would they would they combine that with an Antarctic Peninsula tour or expedition, or would they typically just go there and then go back? No, they would um, rather combine that with um, the Antarctic Peninsula. So we are usually mm -hmm. sailing. It, it depends. If you have a longer itinerary, then you also stop in the Falkland Islands and um, just hop over. You're just cutting down the sea days, basically. Hop, hop over. Okay, hop sounds very short, but we're still talking like uh, 800, 800 kilometers or more between the Falklands and South Georgia. So yeah, it's that's, not a, just... that's two sea days. That's two, two sea days. Yeah, so it's uh, two days of sailing. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you spend two months on sea, everything under, under two months looks like a little hop, I know. <laughs> that's, that's true, yes. Um, Yes, we, we, we talk about two sea days between the Falklands and South Georgia, and then it's two, two and a half sea days from South Georgia to the peninsula. Um, okay. So hopping back. And um, you would combine that. Um, usually, we, we try to keep the, the, the time sh as short as possible because usually guests don't have that long of um, holidays uh, they can spend. 
So the longest trip we've done is a three-week trip, um, including Falkland, South Georgia, and the peninsula. And you have a significant amount of time on each part. So we spend five days in South Georgia, we spend five days on the peninsula, and two days in the Falklands. So that's that's pretty a pretty thorough um, introduction to those different places. And South Georgia actually deserves that thorough introduction just because the landing sites are um, really different from what you would see in the peninsula. The conditions are very different. It's much more, uh, much more challenging. It's really rough. You have a big swell coming from the ocean. You don't have anything that blocks the, the ocean from getting ashore. So you have big waves coming in that makes uh, landings really challenging. But on the other side, it's really rewarding once you get ashore and you have those huge, huge, huge aggregations of king penguins, especially during breeding season when you have those brown fluffball chicks um, among those uh, second tallest of all penguins, which are also colorful. I love the king penguin just because they have those yellow-orange patches on their, on their cheeks uh, merging to the chest. It just adds a nice color to the black and white standard um, dress of the penguins. I Okay, before we recorded this, you told me that this is probably one of your most favorite places on this planet. And oh, it I, is. Can, I can hear the enthusiasm from your voice. <laughs> it is. When you, when you first go there and um, you just see the beach and the beach is just packed with fur seals and, and southern elephant seals. Um, which are uh, defending their territories quite um, quite strongly. So getting ashore is the first challenge. But then you you pass that first line and you go into the valleys, and the valleys are just packed of those huge aggregations of penguins, and they don't really care much about you. When you stay there, they just walk past centimeters next to you we have this rule of um, a minimum distance between penguins and tourists when you stay there and you just stood still they just come into you and they don't really care and this is probably they don't have they don't have experience with humans so they not just much ignore no. you kind of yeah, exactly and yeah. as, as long as they don't have any bad experience they will continue doing that and this is one of the most amazing experience i've did this um antarctic summer is just standing among those huge colonies and just observing their behavior and what they're doing, how they're doing it. And that's just, it's, it's really, it's pretty, it's beautiful. You have huge glaciers coming down from the mountains. You have green valleys. Um, you have rivers cutting those valleys. And then you have those huge aggregations of penguins, seals, how, birds. How high are the mountains? I think the highest elevation is um, almost 3,000 meters, so 9,500 oh, okay. feet. That yeah. is very decent. So it's a, it's, a, it's a very decent mountain range indeed, yeah. Uh, so looking at the map, um, there's also this chain of islands to the southeast of uh, South Georgia. There are kind of tiny little dots dips that dots that come out of the water is that is that the sandwich islands that's south sandwich islands yes um uh, okay. in, in in ancient history um the group of hawaiian islands was called the sandwich islands so um since the appearance of the south sandwich islands is quite similar 
in a way and um definitely not in a, in a different way um they just named it the south sandwich islands nowadays nobody calls hawaii uh, uh, the sandwich islands anymore but um that's how it started and there is a huge difference between south georgia and the south sandwich islands south georgia has almost no volcanic influence so this whole piece of land is basically the result of tectonic rifts of uplift um, of tectonic plates while the south shetland islands are mainly volcanic at the edge of the plate of the scotia plate and this is um, pretty amazing because it changes the appearance the south shetlands are much much more rugged um, still covered with ice and glaciers while south georgia looks rugged when you come there first but compared to the to the much younger south shetlands uh, south sandwich islands um, it looks the the rock looks softer it's much more polished by the glaciers by the ice by the ocean while the South Sandwich Islands appear to be rugger, rugged, yeah, more rugged. Wow, you're ma you're making me uh, want to go there now. I want to see it. We'll we'll definitely link uh, stuff in the show notes so you can all have a look, um, including the map, which is very helpful. Um, while I'm on Google Maps, I also see a one star review. <laughs> from from someone who said i arrived after a three-year boat trip with my son there were no sandwiches i will not be coming back <laughs> <laughs> so there you go <laughs> exactly someone there, with there, a sense of humor there's a, there's a huge lack of sandwiches a huge lack yeah you have yeah. to bring your own okay um i think that covers it for south georgia thanks so much for introducing us to that um i'm very curious now if if one day I get to the Antarctic, that sounds like I should probably bring a it bunch of definitely cameras. is a photographer's paradise. Definitely, yes, I would think so. All right, thank you so much, uh, Henry, for uh, allowing us into your world. I always always learn something new when you're on the show, and thanks for that. Thank you. All right, until next week. Um, if anyone is interested in hearing a few more episodes of curiously polar you can of course find this show in your podcast client we are everywhere on apple podcasts on uh, on spotify on in in overcast in whatever you use to listen to your podcasts uh, our website is at curiouslypolar.com if you want some more of the links or want to go back through our back catalog we're also on Twitter if you want to get interactive on uh, at Curiously Polar and on Instagram at Curiously Polar. And with that, have a great week and we'll be back next week. Until then, bye-bye.